Hey there, I'm Betsy Jewell. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. This week, we're talking about the topic of leadership. After 20 years in corporate, I had my share of leaders. Some were very good leaders. Some, not so much. I used to sit back and watch as people who were really good at their job as individual contributors get promoted to management simply because they were good at their job. Let's be honest, just because you're good or even great at your job doesn't mean you should be a leader. This week's guest has a lot to say on this subject. I'm delighted to welcome Jacob Morgan to the podcast. Jacob is a trained futurist and one of the world's leading authorities on the future of work, employee experience, and leadership. After interviewing over 140 CEOs and over 14,000 employees, Jacob developed what he calls the Notable Nine, four mindsets and five skills that good leaders have in common. If you are a loyal listener, you know that I've had multiple conversations about the future of work and what employers are looking for. Whether or not the job requires a college degree, just about every job of the future will require skills that our kids just aren't learning in school. This conversation is packed full of valuable advice to prepare our teens for life after high school, no matter which path they choose. So let's get started. Hi, Jacob. Thank you so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Thank you for having me. This is a conversation I've really been looking forward to. Um, As I mentioned when we spoke before recording, the future of work for me is, is a really important topic, especially for our teens and young adults. And the rapid pace at which the world is changing, um, I think there's a lot that our kids can learn now that are going to prepare them well for later. I have a whole bunch of questions for you. But before we get started, do you just want to give my audience a little bit of background on who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Jacob Morgan. I've written a couple of best-selling books. I am a professionally trained futurist, and I speak at a lot of conferences and events. So um, a professional speaker. I also run a podcast with my wife on entrepreneurship called the BYOB Podcast. I have my own podcast on the future of work. And I'm a dad to two kids. I have a four and a half year old daughter named Naomi and a nine month old son named Noah. Two Yorkie rescue dogs, Athena and Blinny, who you might hear at some point barking if there is a package that gets delivered. And I live, uh, oh, you have have dogs as well? Yeah, yeah. A Shih Tzu who might bark as well. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And I live in the Bay Area. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Sure. So let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about the book. Um, typically, I'll I'll save that till the end, but this is how I found you and, and I think the basis for all my questions. The book is called The Future Leader, Nine Skills and Mindsets to Succeed in the Next Decade. So I just want to briefly ask you, why did you write this book and, and the methodology behind it? I love that you did so many interviews with CEOs as well as employees. How did it all get started and what gave you kind of the the aha moment that said, I'm going to write that book? Well, it really came from just a lot of people asking me questions. So before COVID, I would probably speak at around 40, 50 conferences a year, traveling all over the world. And I would get a lot of questions from the organizations that I would be speaking at about the future. And they would collectively say things like, we understand what's happening now. 
we're really interested in knowing what we should be doing now to prepare for the future. So what should we be teaching our employees? What should we be focusing on? What, it's, what does the leader of tomorrow look like? And I certainly had my ideas about what that is, but I didn't have any like hard data or research around it. And I started doing some Googling online to see if there has been anything concrete that was put together. And I couldn't really find anything. So what I thought I wanted to do was actually go to the leaders of these world's top companies, companies like Verizon and Audi and Unilever, Best Buy, Oracle, MasterCard, these big global companies, and ask them directly, look, you're, you're leading these multi-billion dollar companies. You're responsible for hundreds of thousands of employees. You tell me, what are you focusing on? What do you see as the future? What skills and mindsets do you think are going to be crucial? And I interviewed 140 of these types of CEOs of companies all over the world, not just in the United States. And from those interviews, I was able to identify a common set of skills and mindsets that these leaders kept mentioning. Uh, and then in addition to that, we surveyed nearly 14,000 employees. And this was done in partnership with LinkedIn. They were kind enough to survey 14,000 of their members around the world who are um, employed full time. And that gave me, I think, a pretty comprehensive and clear picture around skills and mindsets, what leadership looks like now, uh, how well we're practicing these skills and mindsets, challenges, trends, all sorts of stuff. So we went through a bunch of questions for all these people. That's a lot of data. And, it's and a lot from, of data, it is. And not all of it even went in the book. Oh my gosh. So maybe there's a part two. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> One of the things I love that you that you looked at was you know, planning for a future that doesn't exist yet, right? I talk about that on the podcast and, you know, our kids are all trying to make these decisions about their career path based on who they are and what they're interested in. But I keep hearing these stats that, you know, 10 years, the jobs that exist 10 years from now don't exist yet. So how are our kids supposed to plan? And again, it's one of the reasons yeah. I like the book because it's not focused on the tech and the how-to. I mean, there's some tech, but the technical aspect of a job, but more what type of skills and mindset do people need? So can we walk through those? You call them the notable nine? Yes. So there are four mindsets and five skills. And mindsets are how you need to think. And skills are things that you need to know how to do. And this is especially applicable for those listening, um, whether they're teens themselves or the parents of, of teens, who want to become leaders whether you are business leaders, whether you are a leader in your community, a leader in your, I don't know, church, temple, it doesn't matter. But if you want to be somebody who's shaping and, and impacting the future, then these are crucial skills and mindsets. But they're also important skills and mindsets just for you to have as an individual contributor, just as a human being in the world that we're all a part of, uh, anybody that's going to be working. So the four mindsets are that of the, uh, the explorer, the chef, the servant, and the global citizen. And the explore mindset is about being a perpetual learner. So it's about learning how to learn new things, not relying on your schools or your educational institutions or your companies to teach you everything you need to know to be personally and professionally successful. Um, it's about having agility. It's about having um, curiosity, having that kind of growth mindset where you view challenges as things to overcome, not as things that are permanently in your way. The mindset of the chef is about how to balance, I think, the, the two biggest ingredients, so to speak, in our lives today, which are humanity and technology. So when you're part of a company, when you're part of anything for that matter, how do you make sure that whatever you're part of stays human, but at the same time is using technology to be productive and efficient and scalable, um, and so that 
you can use technology to your benefit and that you control technology, not that technology controls you. Then we have the mindset of the servant, which is really about understanding that you throughout your career are going to be serving four groups. You're going to serve your leaders if you have them. You're going to serve your team. You're going to serve your customers. But what a lot of people always forget is this idea that you serve yourself. And serving yourself is not the same thing as being selfish. I'm not talking about stabbing other people in the back so that you can get ahead. I'm not talking about playing office politics. I'm talking about self-care. Self-care in the form of what do you need to do to take care of yourself each day, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. For me, I eat healthy. I exercise. I have hobbies that I invest in. I don't take meetings uh, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I check email and social media once a day at four o'clock. I do whatever I need to do to practice self-care so that when I come on a podcast like this or when I do a video that I can have energy and focus and and be committed to whatever it is that I'm doing. So self-care, I think, is very, very crucial and something that we forget about quite a bit. And the last mindset is that of global citizen, which is really about surround yourself by people who are not like you who don't think like you, who don't believe in the same things that you believe in. If you have the opportunity to work for a company where you can live in different parts of the world and lead in different parts of the world, take advantage of it. And having the global citizen mindset is also about looking at the big picture. So not just looking at what's right in front of you, um, but really looking at the big picture and seeing how what you're doing is having an impact on something broader. So those are the mindsets. Those are the four ways that people need to think. Uh, do you want me to jump to the skills? Um, let me just ask you a couple of quick questions because sure. um, so I I really the explorer really resonated with me because I, I'm such a believer in curiosity and how it's stifled in school and kids yeah. don't get to spend that time. So I love that you focused on that. You know, d- don't let school get in the way yes. <laughs> of your learning. Let you know, find a way to learn um, what you want to learn. And the adaptability and the agility, boy, if if our kids haven't learned anything this year, they've learned adaptability and agility, um, yes. like it or not, right? Yeah. And in the book, you refer to super perpetual learning. What yes. do you mean by super perpetual? So the, the concept of um, learning all the time is, is sort of like, you know, as you go through life, you're going to constantly learn things. Um, but it, it's kind of like passive learning, right? You, you might come across something, you might hear something, you're inherently going to learn things all the time. But this concept that I talk about in the book of being a super perpetual learner means that you need to be more active. Like you need to seek out information. You need to seek out things, not wait for things to come to you. You also need to apply the things that you learn on a regular basis, get feedback on the things that you are applying, and then also adapt and evolve based on the feedback that you get. So, you know, take me, for example, I studied economics and psychology at the University of California, Santa Cruz. I double majored, graduated with honors, and very little of what I studied in college is actually being used in the real world. I never studied how to create a podcast. I never studied how to write a book. I never studied how to be a speaker. I never studied how to share my idea. None of this stuff. I learned about price elasticity. And I learned about child development. And I learned about, you know, all sorts of things that are not directly related to what I do. So how did I learn all this other stuff? Well, I had to be that super perpetual learner. I mean, I'm learning all the time. I'm constantly learning, for example, as as a business owner, how do I create better marketing funnels? How do I create better content? How do I write better newsletters? Uh, How do I 
advertise on platforms like Facebook so that people will download lead magnets? How do I become a better speed? Like I'm constantly learning these things, but it's not through any kind of formal education or training. It's through being able to access things online. It's through being able to understand which areas do I have gaps in and how do I close those gaps? And so that to me is really what being a super perpetual learner is. If I were to just sit idly by and, and wait for somebody to teach me these things, I, I mean, who knows where I would have ended up, but I, I certainly wouldn't have a business. I wouldn't be working for myself. I, I don't know what I would be doing. So even though you get a degree from a university, even though you work for a company that says they have a great training and development program, ultimately, nobody's going to look out for you but you. So people need to remember that. Um, and I think that's something that we really oftentimes forget. So being a super perpetual learner is really taking more accountability and being active in your personal and professional growth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Again, great message for teens and young adults because teens are kind of put on, I call it the high school hamster wheel, but they're put on this track and they're, you know, you're going to learn this, this, and this, yeah. but it may not be something that's of interest. Yeah, or- my, my brother, same thing, right? He's 10 years younger than me. Uh, he, um, on YouTube, people can look him up. He, his, his name is Momentum Productions. He's got, I don't know, like a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers on there. He's wow. got like a hundred thousand people following on Instagram. And he, uh, I believe he studied, uh, marketing and business in, in college. And now a lot of what he does is professional video editing, professional cinematography, videography. He, he didn't go to school to study this stuff. These are things he had to learn on himself. He bought a camera. He tested things out. He watched YouTube videos. You know, so th- this is kind of what I mean when I say perpetual learner. He was like me. He understood that he was not employable by a traditional organization and he wanted to do something and build and create something. So he learned how to do it. And and that, I think, is a very, very crucial component that that people need to have. Yeah. And technology plays a big role in that. Um, And we'll talk about that when we talk about skills, because you refer to the technology teenager. Um, But yeah, let's let's start with the skills. So there are five skills. Skill number one is the skill of the futurist, which is really about thinking in terms of scenarios and possibilities. Uh, You constantly have to assume that there are going to be multiple paths that you can take, multiple options, uh, multiple things that you can do. And so you need to kind of just think through those in your head a little bit. Don't assume that you're you're just going to work for one company or you're, I mean, when I was younger, I wanted to be, first, I wanted to be an actor. Then I wanted to be um, something related to computer science. Then I wanted to be in finance. Then I wanted to do traditional marketing work. I, I mean, I had no idea what the heck I wanted to do. And so I was constantly thinking of like, okay, well, can I see a future in this? What if I don't like, right? Thinking about these scenarios and possibilities in my head instead of saying, well, I'm going to be a marketer. That's all there is. I'm going to get an MBA and I'm just going to tough it out and stick to it. And that that single path that oftentimes we're taught to pursue, I think, is a huge mistake. Uh, by the way, so is following your passion, which we can talk about, too. I don't I, I don't believe in that concept either. Um, I don't either. OK, good. <laughs> I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, we can jump to that, too. So the skill of the futurist is really about thinking in terms of scenarios and possibilities. There's the skill of Yoda, which is about emotional intelligence, meaning empathy and self-awareness putting yourself in the shoes of somebody else, seeing their perspectives, and also how well do you know yourself and how well do other people perceive your strengths and weaknesses? The skill of the translator is about listening and communication. Things that have been around forever, but you see with a lot of young adults now, with teens, a lot of them forget how to communicate. 
Uh, I mean, I, I see people walking by and they're, you know, they're hanging out in groups and everybody's on their phone. There's no eye contact. People forget how to build relationships. They forget how to look somebody in the eye. People cross the street and they're staring at their feet. They forget how to have a conversation. And we need to remember that business is still fundamentally about relationships. I don't care how great you are at anything. If you want to close a deal, you're going to look somebody in the eye. You're going to shake hands with them. You're going to go out to lunch with them. You are going to need to know how to have a conversation. And yeah. I don't care how great you are at tweeting or Instagramming or, or how fantastic you are in Clubhouse. These things are not going to, at the end of the day, make you successful. So these human components, as silly as it sounds, we forget how to communicate effectively. How do we get our message across regardless of the channel or the platform that we're using? And speaking of listening, listening and hearing are not the same thing. Listening is about putting your distractions away. Uh, looking somebody in the eye, focusing on your body language, making the conversation feel collaborative. I mean, imagine for a minute you're having a conversation with somebody and you're you're trying to get some serious feedback from them and the person you're talking to, they can hear you, but you can tell that their mind is somewhere else. Maybe you're having a tough relationship. Maybe you're struggling on a project you're working on and you really want feedback and guidance. If the other person is not listening to you, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel like you're worthless. And we forget how to listen because we're constantly being bombarded with so many things around us that listening is, you know, ironically enough, something that we forgot how to do. So especially if you are younger, you need to remember that these are the fundamental things that are going to help make you successful. When you go for a job interview, you're not going to be bringing your phone or your computer in there. You're going to be sitting across from somebody else in a conference room or at a desk, and they're going to be asking you tough questions about your strengths, the contributions that you made. They're going to see your body language, how you carry yourself. Can you formulate a a, a comprehensive sentence? Can you get your points across? These are going to be the crucial things that ultimately will help determine your success or your lack of success. So I cannot stress enough the importance of focusing on these human components because that is ultimately how the world works, how business gets done, and how you will become successful. If you want to lead other people, you're not going to lead other people through Instagram. You're not going to lead other people through likes. You're going to lead them by understanding who they are, by being a great communicator, by being able to motivate and engage and empower and inspire other people. The social media stuff, look, and I'm all about technology. I use it as a way to build my business. I use it as, I mean, we're doing this Uh, this podcast. Technology is fantastic, but it is a business tool. It is not the business. Um, For example, for me, most of my revenue, the deals that I close when I'm speaking, that's done through a lot of in-person conversations, through dialogue. The speaking is on a stage in front of thousands of people. You cannot get away from the human aspect of business, and I cannot stress that enough for people who are going to be entering the workforce. Uh, okay, so I know I went a little bit on a, on a tangent there. No, that was a super important one, so thank you. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. 
Thanks so much for checking it out. The last two are the skill of the coach and the technology teenager. The coach is specifically relevant for um, people who want to become in leadership, uh, who want to go into leadership roles and to become leaders. And this is this idea that as a leader, your job is to help make other people more successful than you. Not to just help make other people more successful, but to help make them more successful than you, because that's ultimately what a coach does. And I've heard several stories from CEOs who I interviewed who told me they used to work for companies and they worked for leaders who were mean and terrible to them and, and, and took credit for their work and put them down. And these leaders just focus hard. Uh, they, they did great quality work. They did 10% more than what they were asked to do. And eventually they became the leaders and they became responsible for these people who were uh, being mean to them. And so again, this coach mentality is about help make other people more successful than you. And lastly, the technology teenager, which probably nobody listening to this needs help with. And that's about tinkering. Don't be scared of technology. Embrace it. Use it. Play around with it. But remember that you control technology. Technology doesn't control you. And that the world still fundamentally revolves around human relationships. Yes. Yes to all of that. Um, and technology is you know, kind of a hot button for parents of teens, because to your point, our kids aren't very good at communicating face to face or in person, because their noses are always buried in their devices. And, and when we look at trends, and you and you write about this in the book, too, where we're headed trend wise, and how are not just leaders, but how are employees going to roll with those changes, right? So like AI and tech is a big deal, right? So artificial intelligence and technology. How do we, how do we help our young people um, learn how to live in that world? Again, jobs that don't exist yet, but also maintain those human components that you talk about. For the jobs that don't yet exist, uh, I always like to use the analogy of a taste tester. I think there's a lot of pressure put on young people to try to figure out what they want to do. And I felt the same pressure when I was younger. Uh, You should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. You should go into into finance. I didn't know what the heck was going on. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had to figure it out. And how do you figure it out? Uh, The analogy, again, I like to use is that of a taste tester. So I, I love desserts. I love pastries and sweet things. And whenever I go into an ice cream shop, whether you go to some gourmet ice cream shop or Baskin Robbins where they have 31 flavors... Sometimes I go in there, I don't know what the heck I want. Like, is the black pepper avocado ice cream with honey going to taste good or not? I'm not going to get two scoops of it unless I try it. So when I go into these ice cream shops, I do a lot of taste testing. And I get a sample of a bunch of different flavors. And then when I find the one that I like, that's the one that I order. I think picking a career is very much the same. You're not going to know right out of the gate what you want to do or what you're good at or where your strengths and your weaknesses are. So you have to be like a taste tester. You try different things. I tried finance. wasn't for me. I tried studying computer science. Didn't do well in it. I tried traditional marketing. Again, didn't work for me. I taste tested all of these different things until I realized that the path for me was entrepreneurship, was for working for myself and building something that I own and create. I would have never got to that point had I just gone all in and said, give me two scoops of marketing, right? That's what I want. Give me two scoops of full-time employment. So I had to taste test. And I think that is what we need to do. That's what we should be encouraging. You, you shouldn't know what you want to do at a young age. That's crazy. How, how could you possibly know what you want to do? Um, you have to experiment and play around with things to see where your curiosity is going to go, where your interests are going to take you.
And I think that is probably the best piece of advice that I can give for, for younger people and also for parents. Parents shouldn't be pressuring kids to pick a path. Parents should be encouraging their kids to try different things. And if you see something, if your child is doing something that they don't, they don't like or they're not good at, don't force them to keep going down that path. Say, you know what? That's fine. That's just not for you. You should try something else. And I think that's the right way that we need to be focusing on things. Yeah, I love that. I, I talk about exploration on this podcast all the time because I don't think our kids have enough time to explore. One of my previous guests said um, he called it prototyping your life. So while you're in high school or while you're in college, get summer jobs, get a bunch of different summer jobs or internships and just try a lot of different things um, and learn about yourself, You know who you are, how you're wired, what you're good at, what you enjoy. Um, so I, I like that yeah, advice. And talk to people. And, you know, mm-hmm. the important thing that the younger you are is to pay, te- pay attention to the signs that are around you. Because uh, this is something that I did not do a good job of when I was younger. And when I say pay attention to the signs, I mean, pay attention to the feedback that you get. Maybe people will say, hey, um, Betsy, you know, you're, you're a great communicator. And you got to store that away of like, okay, communicate, I'm good at communication. Or they might say, you know, Jacob, I noticed that you're, you're super organized. Thank you for helping out with this charity event. You are such an organized person. Store that away. Okay, I'm a great communicator. I'm organized. And then you can start to piece these things together. Uh, the analogy, I think that the, I think it was the CEO of LL Bean when I interviewed, he gives the analogy of a, of a backpack. And as you go through life and you experience different things, you put these skills and mindsets into a backpack and then you kind of take them out when you need them. So don't think of your, your life and your career as a, as a job or as a career. Think about it as a set of skills and mindsets that you can apply to different things. So that I think is a crucial lesson. Um, so when I say pay attention to the signs, what are people asking you to do? What's the feedback that you're getting? Where are people asking you for help? I noticed earlier on in my career when I became an entrepreneur, a lot of people were asking me to take these complex topics like leadership or employee experience or future of work and to make it easier for people to understand. People wanted me to write articles. People wanted me to speak. And so I thought, okay, well, that's, you know, those are the signs I should be paying attention to. That's what I should be doing. And, you know, you're going to notice little things along the way. And I think it's important for you to store those away in your in your backpack, so to speak, so that when it comes time to narrow down a little bit what you want to do, you'll say, okay, well, I'm a great project manager. I'm organized. I'm a good communicator. Um, I'm, I'm good at leading people. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not so good at, you know, I don't know, confrontate. For me, for example, I'm a not organized. I'm not an organized person at all. So I had to help, uh, you know, I had to hire somebody to help me become more organized. So just, it also helps build self-awareness. Where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? And then you take roles or positions or opportunities where you really have the opportunity to showcase your strengths and to let those shine. Great advice. I love the backpack analogy. That's a really, really clever analogy. Yeah, it was Steve Smith. I think he actually did a talk on YouTube. So if people Google Steve Smith or Stephen Smith, PH, um, L.L. Bean, I think you'll be able to see a talk that uh, that he gave where he shares that. All right. I'm going to look for that. Yeah, I'll include the link in the show notes yeah. too. So let's go back to passion. Yes. Because I, I want to talk about that. Um, I want to hear your your perspective on don't follow your passion. Yeah. I gave a uh, a talk for TED Academy, which is one of the world's, lar- uh, world's largest TED events, which was hosted in Greece, I think three or four years ago. 
And one of the big themes that I talked about, and I think there's a clip of it floating around there somewhere, was don't follow your passion, but instead bring your passion with you. And I think that follow your passion, and this doesn't mean that you should ignore your passion, passions, but there's a difference between having a passion as something that you do as, as a career that allows you to provide for yourself and your potential family. And there's a difference between following your passion as a hobby. Following your passion, I think, makes a few dangerous assumptions. One, it assumes that you know what your passion is. I certainly had no clue what my passion was, so I didn't know what to follow. Second, it assumes that passion is like this external thing that is outside of you. And once you identify it, you kind of go chase it. Um, what if you have multiple passions? You know, it, it assumes that there is only one passion that you can have. And also your passions are going to change over time. So following your passion, I think is dangerous because it's kind of like saying, follow this thing that's going to change over time. Good luck. Like, how do you do that? How do you follow something that's always changing? How do you follow something when it's not just one thing? There could be many of them. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. For me, I'm very passionate about health and fitness. I'm very passionate about chess. I take chess lessons. I play in chess tournaments. I love racquetball. These are things that are a part of my life on a regular basis. In fact, I have a chess lesson today. But these are also not things that I am pursuing as a career. So there's a difference, I think, have the passions. You should know what your passions are. Make them a part of your life. And sure, you can try to use those passions as, um, as a way to make money. But how many passionate actors are there who aren't making money? How many passionate singers are there who just don't have the singing voice? How many passionate basketball players are there who are never going to be in the NBA? Or passionate tennis players who are never going to make it to the Australian Open? And so you, this, I think, requires a very high level of self-awareness to understand where your passions are versus what is going to allow you to provide for yourself and your family. So I don't think follow your passion is the right advice that we should be teaching young people because I think it could lead them to a path where they end up chasing something that is not attainable, something that is not realistic, something that can actually be more detrimental than positive. Instead, I identified, like I said, my passion is chess, my passion is health and, and wellness and all those different types of things. Instead, I think what is more practical is to bring the passion that you have to whatever it is that you're doing. I was never passionate about speaking. I was never passionate about leadership or writing books or having a podcast. But as I started to do these things, I realized that I was pretty good at them and that there were a lot of opportunities in there. And so I brought the passion that I had already for other things that I was doing into these projects. So I bring the passion with me to podcasts. I bring the passion with me to things that I create, to articles that I write. That to me is a much more scalable and practical way to live and to think about your job and your career. Now, of course, the argument can be made, oh, you know, Le Le LeBron James always says, follow your passion, or you know, some billionaire out there is like, oh, follow your passion, never give up on your dreams. The number of times that that happens is so minuscule. For every LeBron James, there's 100,000 people, a million people who don't get to that level. For every founder of, of Twitter, there's 10 million people who fail. So right. sometimes, occasionally, you do get a few anomalies 
where the passion ends up being what somebody can build and create and scale and turn into a profitable business. But for 99.9999999999% of the world, that doesn't happen. So you can try it. I mean, you can certainly try to turn your passion into something that allows you to generate an income, something that allows you to provide, but also have that level of self-awareness to understand when that is something that's not realistic and when it's okay to have that passion as a hobby and not as a career choice. Absolutely. Self-awareness is huge. Yeah. If I, if I tried to be a professional chess player, I'd be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be making any money from it. <laughs> right, if I wanted to be right. a professional racquetball player, again, there's no future in that. Yeah. I do these things, yeah. but I don't make them a part of uh, my career, my job. And I, I've often heard people say too, it's my passion because I love it and I get to do it. And it's doesn't, it's not work, right? Yeah. I'm passionate about it because I enjoy it. If it became my job, I don't know that I would love it so much. Yeah. Yep. Also very true. So I'm going to ask you one more question. And then I want to a- ask you to just let my listeners know all the places they can find you and follow you. Sure. I'm sure they'll want to, but this is a question I ask a lot of my guests. If you could go back and give high school Jacob one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? So high school Jacob was a terrible student, first of all. Uh, high school Jacob had like a 2.78 or a 2.79 GPA. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, even the subjects that I did well at. I think I did well in, in psychology, maybe, and maybe history and math. And I, w- I was a terrible student. I was kind of floundering and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was very confused. Probably the best piece of advice I would give to high school Jacob is it's okay. You know, you t- take a take a breath. You're not supposed to know these things yet. Um, you're you're on a journey, and you have to just trust the process and know that as you go through the journey, you yeah. will you will figure things out. And don't put pressure on yourself at the age of eighteen to know what you want to do with the rest of your life. And don't let other people, whether it's your parents, your friends, your family members also put that pressure on you to know what you want to do with the rest of your life because it's it's not realistic. So, you know, it's a ride and everybody's everybody's on the same ride. People will figure things out at uh, at different times, but it's okay. Take a deep breath and 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 don't stress. That's excellent advice. And I agree, like to know what you want to do for the rest of your life, none of us did, nobody does. All I keep saying is I tell my teens and other teens just figure out what you want to do next. Yep. What comes next after high school? And then you'll go from there and your path will be curvy and it, it'll it be bumpy, but you'll get there wherever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's It's never a straight path um, like a lot of people assumed it always was. So yeah, got to gotta understand it's it's the, the game that we're all in. Yep. Well, this has been really helpful for me and I'm sure for my listeners. Um, so can you just give us some ideas about where to follow you and find you if you want to talk a little bit about the book or your other books? Sure. The easiest place to find me, my website is thefutureorganization.com and my email is jacob at thefutureorganization.com. Uh, there are links to books uh, to the book on the website, but I think we have a special URL for it, which I believe is getfutureleaderbook.com, which I think will link you to Amazon and those other places. Uh, people who want to download a PDF of the skills and mindsets, you can go to the future. Um, the No, it's called theleadershipdigest.com. That's the URL, theleadershipdigest.com. 
And there's also a quiz that people can take, which is uh, futureleadersurvey.com. Um, and then links to my podcast. My podcast is futureofworkpodcast.com. And my podcast on entrepreneurship that I host with my wife, Blake, is byobpodcast.com, which stands for Be Your Own Boss Podcast. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Well, that was a really interesting conversation. As I mentioned earlier, I've seen lots of good leaders and lots of not so good, really awful leaders along the way. I think a lot of what makes a good leader is self-awareness, and that's certainly a trait that we can teach our kids and encourage them to develop. Also, I love that Jacob likens the career exploration to taste testing. I'm a dessert lover too, so that really resonated with me. Seriously, though, it's all about exposure and exploration. The more our teens can experience different career environments, meet new people, and learn about different paths, the better equipped they'll be when it comes time to choose their next step after high school. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend or two. You can find all episodes and the show notes pages, including all the links mentioned at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. And if you aren't already a member, I'd love it if you would join me and my co-host, Jay Dusold, in our Life After 12th Facebook group. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website genxgrownup.com Alright, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Right.